It's time to raise your voice. It's time to be heard. Because everything counts. Everything matters. Good news. Christian values. Alabama's Christian Talk Radio. With Greg Davis. Priority Talk. It is Priority Talk. That's right. Greg Davis here with you on this Wednesday evening at a few minutes after 5, 5.05 as a matter of fact. How's everybody doing? We're glad to be with you here on this uh, wonderful evening and uh, hope everybody's doing well. Headed home from work, headed to church, to eat, to wherever it is you may be going, and uh, or maybe you're just home. That's fine, too. We're glad you're with us here at 101.1 FM, WXJC Radio. There's a free app, WXJC Radio. There's a website, WXJCRadio.com. You can listen to this station live at any time. And also, there's PriorityTalkRadio.com. You can listen live anytime as well. And you can go back and listen later to our particular program right there at PriorityTalkRadio.com. We pretty much put it all there for you. So if you miss or want to go back and see what you missed or share with someone or listen again, it's there for you, PriorityTalkRadio.com. And uh, coming up later today, we're going to have a best-of conversation. We do that on Wednesdays, you know. It's Wednesday evening, so we, we uh, make no bones. We cut out a little bit early most Wednesdays, and we give you a chance to hear a best-of conversation. This one from 2017 with Homeward's family expert, Jim Burns. He'll join us uh, you'll hear that conversation. He'll join us uh, by, it's recorded, but it'll be at 6.30. And he talks about understanding your teens, very practical stuff. I thought it was one of the better conversations we ever had about um, parenting and teens here on the program. It's from 2017, but it, the principles are as relevant as ever. So we do hope you'll listen in for that. And if you can't listen at 6.30, it'll be there at the podcast as well, Priority Talk Radio. Okay, of course, big news today. Donald Trump announces his um, intention to uh, you know, be a presidential candidate. I don't think we needed a press conference to tell us that. He, he's been a candidate ever since he lost, okay? So he's been running for president ever since that moment. He's never really stopped. So that was no surprise to me. Um, I guess there are things to think about and issues to break down. Uh, I'm going to get into more of that tomorrow, I think. I, I want to sort of think through it a little bit more and give you an opportunity as well. Uh, I did see Mike, I saw most of Mike Pence's sit down this morning on Fox News. He's got a new book out. Of course, that's what you do um, to, you know, a year before you run for president. You, you, you release a book, and uh, that's what he's done. So he's going to run for president as well. Um, he, Mike Pompeo is probably going to run for president. I think the question is, will Ron DeSantis run for president? I think Pompeo and Pence, although nothing wrong with them running, I think they probably underestimate their uh, their their popularity. Did I say underestimate? They overestimate their popularity. Which did I say? Did I say it right or wrong? Uh, I think you might have said you it wrong. You weren't listening. So I I th- no, I'm pretty sure you said it wrong. <laughs> I think I did, too. They uh, overestimate their popularity. Uh, Mike Pompeo and, and or Mike Pence have zero chance 
of being the uh, Republican nominee. None. I'll, I'll write it down. None. Uh, they, they can run, no, no problem, and, and they probably, maybe they know, and they're just running anyway to get, you know, to keep themselves relevant. Uh, so I'm not against them running at all, but I don't think they can win. I think the only two people, uh, unless something uh, really strange happens, the only two people that can win are Donald and the Republican primary are Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis. They are it, in my opinion. Will DeSantis run? We will. We'll see. I don't know if he will or not. Um, I had tended to think that if Trump got in, he wouldn't get in. And that may be one of the reasons Trump went ahead and announced his candidacy is to get ahead of DeSantis. Because DeSantis couldn't very well win re-election last Tuesday in Florida, overwhelming. And then a week, less than a week later, announced he's running for president. He just he couldn't do that. So uh, Trump got ahead of him and uh, gave a speech last night. I didn't get home till 9 or 9.30 last night. I didn't really see it. I saw some highlights. Uh, looked like Melania had colored her hair a little bit, you know. Um, that's what I saw. Trump still got whatever going on with his. He still got the blue suit and the red tie. Uh, it's like a uniform. He wears it every day. So Trump, um, he's running, but he's been running. No news there. Okay, here's some news, and, and we've got some other interesting topics coming up a little later today as well. Some church-related stuff and, and some and some local news kind of stuff. Nate Williams is going to join me here in just a little bit. He'll he'll jump in here um, soon and uh, join the conversation as well. He's doing a great job helping me and filling in for me and co-hosting with me, and we appreciate him so much. Um, but here's some big news for you: um, there a, a Georgia a, a Georgia a Georgia a judge has um, basically overturned Georgia's abortion law. And now, theirs is good. The Georgia law is good. I don't think it's as strong as Alabama's. It's not, but it's good. It's a six-week abortion ban. I think they passed that uh, last year in, in Georgia. And so now a judge has overturned it, saying that it was unconstitutional. And here's sort of the key. At the time that it was enacted, and of course, so Alabama's law was uh, passed before Georgia's. What he's saying is, is because you passed it before Roe v. Wade, that makes it unconstitutional. Now, which is kind of funny because uh, the court ruled that there is no constitutional right to an abortion. So, um, it's all kind of a big conflict. But the idea here, I think, by this judge and, and the left is to basically um, put something in place that would block all of the so-called trigger laws that went into effect once Roe v. Wade became the law. So all these states, like Alabama, like Georgia, many others, had passed laws, but they were not being they were not enacted because they conflicted with the Supreme Court Roe v. Wade. They passed them, so if Roe v. Wade was overturned, they would already immediately have a law in place, and that's exactly what happened in Alabama. And so I think the idea here is that they're trying to make a play to say that all of these laws and all of these states, these pro-life states, basically. 
can't be enforced, which would open the door back up to abortion uh, abortion mills opening back up in our states until another law could be passed, I guess. That's the idea here. And so the, uh, the Georgia Attorney General is, of course, suing on that. And um, we'll see what happens. I, I'm, I'm not, I, I did reach out to an attorney to try to get a little bit more clarity on what this process might look like in the courts, timing-wise and all of that. Uh, I did not um, uh, quite get um, back uh, quick enough to, to know enough about it. So, uh, in fact, he, he has just now texted me back. Um, that's really um, interesting. So, I mean, while I'm sitting here talking about it, I don't know if he's listening or not, uh, but uh, while I'm sitting here talking about it, I just got a text from him. Uh, this is a trial judge. So, really strange rationale he's using. It, it's it's just absolutely a, a play, in my opinion, to, um, to say that all of these so-called trigger bills or trigger laws are now unconstitutional, hoping they can get a judge, maybe a higher-level judge, to say, oh, hold up on all of those because of this one. And see what happens. So, it, um, and, and of course, that is an attempt to um, force states to go back and pass more laws and hopefully more liberal laws when it comes to abortion. Okay, so you needed to know about that today. The pro-life movement, the fight against abortion, it's never going to be over. Never. Don't think it is. Don't think it will be. It never will be. All right, you guys stay with us, and we'll be right back on the other side. I'll tell you some important stuff you need to know for the holidays on the other side. Hey, this is Greg, and ever since the first time I visited Israel in 1999, I've encouraged others to also experience the land of the Bible for themselves. I'm wondering if you've ever dreamed of visiting the Holy Land and walking where Jesus walked. If so, why don't you pray about touring Israel with me in the summer of 2023? We will experience a 10-day pilgrimage that will include visiting biblical sites around the Sea of Galilee and actually taking an inspirational boat ride on the same waters that Jesus walked upon. We will also visit the holy sites in the city of Jerusalem, including Golgotha and the Garden Tomb. You'll also experience the Dead Sea and many significant Old Testament sites. The Bible will come alive to you like never before. Are you interested at all? Email me. Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com and I'll share with you much more information about this trip of a lifetime. Email me, Greg at PriorityTalkRadio.com for more information on traveling with me to the Holy Land in summer of 2023. Welcome back in. Glad you're with us today here on this Wednesday evening. And uh, hey, an hour from now, we're going to play one of our best of conversations for you. Several years back, I had the uh, privilege, well, I've I've had him on several times, but uh, this one's from several years back. I had the privilege of visiting with Jim Burns, president of Homeward, and uh, they do a great job with marriage and family, and uh, we visited and talked about teenagers. If you're a parent and you've got teenagers, it's a conversation with Jim Burns that you definitely need to stay tuned for. He is really, really good. I know you'll enjoy it. So uh, we'll be talking family coming up from 6.30 until 7 this evening on Wednesday. We do that quite often on Wednesdays as um, uh, we know many of you are headed to church and, uh, and so forth. And, you know, uh, we often are as well. And so uh, that helps us, helps you to hear some of the uh, past conversations we've had here that were really, really good. So Jim Burns, one hour from now, 6.30, talking teenagers and parenting. 
Uh, it's it's a must listen to, quite honestly. And if you miss it, it'll be on the podcast, PriorityTalkRadio.com. All right, uh, Nathan's here with us, and uh, we're having uh, we're having a good time today. So, Nate, thank you very much. You've got an article you wanted us to uh, sort of hit on here. It's uh, from Christianity Today, which uh, isn't isn't a site that I call a go to site for me, but from time to time something catches our eye from there. And uh, they are talking about basically uh, the largest um, uh, segment of American Protestants. Now, I, I would say most all of you listening to me probably would consider yourself Protestant. Okay. Yeah, pretty pretty much. Yeah. Um, and uh, but then we break off into different Protestant denominations. Lots of them. Mostly, but this article is telling us something different. Yeah, so this article, what it kind of says is in the, the first line is, call it the rise of the nons. So if you've been around, uh, I guess, any sort of... I always of say nuns. Nuns. I think it's nuns. Well, what happens... I called what, it nuns, and then other people were calling it nuns. Like none, no, none affiliated. Yeah, none. So, uh, not yeah. Either there are way. different ways of different ways of saying it. I just wanted to clarify in case people have heard it the other way, because I've heard yeah. it both ways. Oftentimes, when you have nuns, n o n e s, you think of those who don't uh, they don't identify with a specific religious tradition or religion, like a none of the above. None of the above, and so it's kind of like a play on words, I guess. Uh, call it the nons, the rise of the non-denominational yeah, it works Christians. either way yeah i'm not sure what the right way is i've just heard it both ways yeah definitely and what, what's happened in this article is uh, according to this article is that now non-denominational christians in terms of numbers it's the largest group in america when it comes to protestant mm-hmm. uh protestant protestantism if i could speak english for example there are three point for million more people in non-denominational churches than there are in uh, Southern Baptists. However, Southern Baptists, the SBC, they have uh, the most churches. So it depends on whatever statistic you want to use. And then the article goes on to talk about how certain groups have declined, certain groups like the SBC has gotten larger, uh, the UMC is bleeding pretty heavily. Uh, I know we've talked about that before, you know, the UMC is isn't doing as well as it once was and I thought it was just interesting so so Greg I guess what are your thoughts on that is it just another form of rebellion or non-denominational because we don't follow the rules is it like actually maybe a positive thing what are your thoughts on I guess the growth of non-denominational ism if you could say is well I definitely think it has become sort of a a flavor of the month but maybe it's flavor of the uh, decade I guess I don't know um, to say we're non-denominational yes. okay you know that somehow people wear that as a badge uh, that they're that they're oftentimes they're proud of you know they're yes. proud to be non-denominational just as proud as someone is to be Baptist or Methodist or you know Church of God or whatever um, th- they're proud of it um, I think it's a play on words, quite honestly, uh, for most non-denominational churches. Uh, so let's let's just think about it. What is a denomination? I mean, you have to say, okay, if we're non-denominational, then what is a denomination? So looking here, a couple of things. Yeah. Uh, a distinct religious body within Christianity 
that comprises all church congregations of the same kind, okay, identifiable by traits such as name, history, organization, leadership, theological doctrine, worship style, and sometimes even a founder. So they determine that that's that's a definition yeah. of a denomination. And others, you know, maybe the wording's slightly different. Basically, it's the same thing. So to say we're non-denominational would mean what? I don't know. what. It, it, well, it would mean that you don't... Um, have a structure. Identify with other um, churches of the same kind and you're that are identifiable by name, history, organization, leadership, doctrine, worship style, or a founder, you would say, we're non-denominational. We're not any of those things. To me, non-denominational would be that we're independent. You know, we're not connected to any other churches by name, history, organization, leadership, theological doctrine, worship style, or a founder. We're not connected to any other. To me... To be truly non-denominational, you would be completely independent. Yes. Okay. I've just never been a fan of the word, in in my yeah. opinion, because uh, non-denominational, uh, I, I get what they're trying to say, but to, to be honest, it's like you're identifying as what you're not. Well, that doesn't make a lot of sense to the point where almost it's like non-denominationalism has become its own denomination. Or as uh, Tim Hawkins, uh, let's see, he has a, a little bit when he talks about this. It says like non-denominational churches tend to be uh, Baptist churches with a cool website. That's mm-hmm. his joke that he yeah. goes to about it. So it's just yeah. you're known for what you're not, and I don't think that really helps with identification, in my opinion. Yeah, well, my, my take on it is that I think most churches who say we're non-denominational are denominational. They just yes. say they're not denominational. <laughs> yes, they'll, they'll have the they, doctrine their, their denomination of basically is non-denominational. Yeah, that is their denomination. Yeah. Okay, so we'll just take for instance one of the uh, most prominent non-denominational uh, churches in in our area. Is Church of the Highlands? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I think it's now. If you count, put it all together, it's probably the, if not one of the top two or three largest churches in the country. It's pretty okay. massive. So, was started in Birmingham, and now has spread, you know, all across the state. Uh, there's not anyone listening to me that doesn't have a Highlands campus, a Highlands church near you somewhere. Okay. Yes, definitely. So. But then they also were part of a, and they would they say they are non-denominational. That's the way it was started. They weren't affiliated when the church started. Okay, I, I met Chris Hodges when he first moved to Birmingham. I, you know, they were starting an independent non-non-denominational church, basically. Now, um, but they now have what they call the ARC, ARC, yeah, Associated of Related Churches. Now, tell me, what's the difference in that and a denomination? I, and I've actually heard Chris say it's really like a denomination. I've heard him say that. Yes. Because now many of many of the rest of you are part of churches connected to Highlands. Associations. You're associated of related churches. What's the difference in that and being of the same kind, identifiable by traits such as name, particular history, organization, leadership, theological doctrine, worship style, and sometimes a founder? You almost so you, yeah. if your church is part of the ARC 
then you're part of it's an arc is really a denomination now if you don't want to call it that that's cool don't call it that but i would imagine in these numbers reported on christianity today which um you know the head guy of that of course is russell moore who is is now if he ever was no friend of the largest protestant denomination southern baptist okay yes uh, it wouldn't surprise me that he would his site would uh, have an article downing denominations you know what i mean or, yeah. or showing the demise of denominations yeah because he he is he has rebelled against uh, his re- former denomination so um and so highlands their numbers would all be included in that that's true and all the art churches would be included in that that's true and there's other groups like that as well but to me and i've heard i've heard chris say it i heard him say it on tv one time so they were doing a news story on the rise of highlands how quickly you know and all this and he and he said he said you know it we're, we're, we're basically like a denomination you know almost like it's the same thing uh, so, I wonder if it's marketing. Is well, part of yeah, it just I denominations so. kind of cliche, outdated? Non-denominational is the denomination. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yes. It can be. Because they would all say, well, we're non-denominational. But you relate to other churches. You're of the same kind. And I can promise you, if you go to other ARC churches, they're similar. Yes. Very similar in the way they do things and the I way agree. they operate. In fact, Highlands teaches the churches how to do it they have whole trainings and leadership and you know they have uh, educated churches on how to replicate what they've done in their you know, but do it in their community yes. and i'm not knocking that that's what denominations do exactly and right. they do share doctrine you know exactly i had a guy right. tell me one time he said he said highlands was not and i said well do you share doctrine and he said no uh, not really no and I was huh. like, because he knew if he said he did, then they would be a, that was that I would make my point. And he said, no, no, we don't. And I said, so just anybody can be an ark church. I said, uh, and I gave a real extreme example. I said, if Uh-oh. a church wanted to do this, but they were wanted to be part of ark, would ark take them right in? Well, no, we wouldn't then. I said, okay, then. Well, you have theological boundaries yes. that you have to adhere to. Yes. Now you can say they're pretty loose. Okay, maybe they are. Uh, you know, a lot of denominations are loose. You know, Southern Baptists are, uh, you know, you've got the autonomy of the local church. Uh, Baptist churches are all not just alike. Uh, n- none are. None really are. So, to me, I, I think that's probably overblown is what I'm saying. I, I think it is a marketing thing. I think that was a good way so. to say it. I, I just don't like the word. I don't think the word does anything mm-hmm. for you. It just People wear it as something to be proud of. You know, I remember back, uh, ever how many years ago it was, that... Uh, you know, a lot of churches of all denominations, Baptist or Methodist or Church of God or Assembly of God or, you know, whatever it may be, they sort of began begun to drop their denomination name in the church. Yes. Okay. Because they, they thought that made them more, uh, look more relative or relevant or something like that. And they started dropping the denomination name. So, um, so, so you know, let's just say where we're, right, where we're at here, uh, you know, we're, we're sitting here in Birmingham. So. Uh, Birmingham uh, Cross Church Baptist Church became just Birmingham Cross Church. Yes, okay, drop Baptist, and and that sort of to me sort of 
swung the door swung or swung it toward non-denominationalism because yes, even did. churches that were part of a denomination started acting like we're not part of a denomination yeah. taking it out of their name you'd have to go deep it, into the website the somewhere yeah. to to find yeah, out yeah 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 i mean they they probably wouldn't hide it but but they're not flaunting it either so uh, here's what i think will happen i think denominationalism or being part of a denomination will probably come back into favor i think so it, these things run in trends. I think it will come back into favor eventually. I don't know when. Maybe it already is starting to go that way. And people will begin to look for a church that has um, an identifiable uh, name and history and organization to be a part of a group of churches, you know, that are united. And, and, and this definition leaves out that they're united basically also many times in mission and in cooperation of giving ah, yeah. and supporting that's a good, point. good causes and missions and you know that's really a lot of times what keeps a denomination together is that they can do more together than they can alone yes so to me if you're if you're not part of a non-denominational church that is totally independent and doesn't meet or share resources or or pool money with any other churches you're not non-denominational i agree Okay, that's that. my point. All right. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. It is Priority Talk. Greg Davis here, Nate Williams here as well. Hang on, my friends. We'll be right back. One Point USA is a security company serving churches and businesses in the state of Alabama. Don't wait until something happens to protect your employees and your valuable property. One Point USA's experienced staff understands your security needs and wants to help you before a problem arises. From video surveillance to card access control and commercial security systems, One Point USA has got you covered. Call One Point USA today at 205 701 0191. That's 205-701-0191 or visit OnePointUSA.com. That's the number OnePointUSA.com. OnePointUSA. Be secure. And now, back to Priority Talk with Greg Davis. My life be like... And we welcome you back in... Priority Talk Radio right here on WHJC. Of course, uh, having an interesting conversation about denominationalism or lack of. Or lack of. There you go. Good way <laughs> to say it. I was struggling. Um, yeah. So, you know, uh, if, if you're affiliated, connected to, work with, pool resources, you're you're sort of you're you're basically a denomination if it looks like a duck there you go <laughs> walks like that's a duck. why you're here that's good i if like it, that you know it's a dog <laughs> well yeah that's what they're saying um but anyway i i don't i think denominationalism will will swing back because the same things that made people not want to be part of a denomination will swing them right back to be part of a denomination so yeah. They realize that institutions that have existed for hundreds of years existed for a reason. Now, yeah. they have their drawbacks. You know, yeah. when things develop and, 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 and institutions turn inwards towards self-preservation, mm -hmm. kind of keeping the status quo, then institutions tend to die. So you, you do need, like, fresh uh, thoughts. You need fresh movements. And so there are some weaknesses to establishments, but there are also some strengths, like stability. And so it, it will cycle. Yeah. Well, and speaking of denominations, of course, the Methodist, United Methodist uh, denomination has been in the news a lot lately. And, of course, 
this has been brewing for quite some time, and it's sort of, it, it's really kind of hit hit a tipping point now where many um, United Methodist churches are um, basically, what do you call it, withdrawing, I guess, um, from the United Methodist Church uh, right. over doctrinal issues is yes. what it's over. Okay, so that's what I'm saying. They got a doctrinal issue, and they say, no, we're not going to do that anymore. Um, and these non-denominational groups of churches, they'll do the same thing. Exactly right. They'll do the exact same thing, and some of them will come back and join a denomination later on. Yes. Some of them who have been non-denominational one day will go, hey, we need to be part of the Church of God, or we need to be Baptist, or, you know, it'll happen. But um, churches, even here in Alabama, of course, are disaffiliating, I guess is more the official word, and uh, and joining different Methodist streams, I guess you would call it, uh, some some new uh, Methodist denominations that have been formed for a little while and some that are brand new. Yeah. But they're more, tell me if I'm right, Nate, they're more conservative, though, really, than what they're leaving. They, they tend to be like the Global Methodist Church is a newer one. The they, GMC. They, the GMC. They, they're, they're more conservative. There was one super liberal, uh, I'll see if I can't find the name, super liberal uh denomination that kind of has formed from the UMC, but I really don't see that lasting long, if I'm honest, how how those trends tend to go. But in general, most of the churches leaving tend to be more on the, I'd say, conservative side of things. Yeah. Well, there were, um, I think uh, I, I saw reported 11 Met- United Methodist congregations in North Alabama across, you know, our, basically our listening area, North and Central, that voted to disaffiliate from uh, the UMC and uh, maybe they're going to start their own more conservative denomination just here in Alabama. I'm not sure. Uh, but it's about 86 uh, from now the North Alabama Conference. That's sort of the way they do it, have voted to leave. Um, and that's out of 638 that were in the conference. And so um, some of these, who are they that have uh, voted to leave? Well, you've got... Um, uh, Bestavia Meth- United Methodist. Um, that's one of the ones that's most recently. Um, there's and on all of these pretty much are a hundred percent vote to leave. I think one was maybe ninety five plus. But uh, there's a Rocky Mountain, and these are all United Methodists. St. Paul, which is in Fort Payne. I don't know where Rocky Mount Mount is. Uh, there's Wesley's Chapel in Fayette, uh, Asbury in Fort Payne. Bethlehem and Fayette, Pleasant Hill and Spring Hill, uh, Fayette First United Methodist Church. Lots in Fayette and Fort Payne, it sounds like. They, yeah. they must have just got together and said, let's all do it on the same Sunday. Something's in the water. The Gathering Place, I don't know where that is, and Christ Harbor. Now, we're pulling these names from uh, Greg Garrison. He's always very reliable at AL.com. Not much on AL.com reliable, but I have found Greg to be, and I've interviewed with him many times. Then Fort Payne First United, uh, also, and then Vestavia Hills voted. Now their vote was lower; it was only around 80 percent. But they are going to disaffiliate. Uh, it's an interesting question that I've thought of many times over the years. And if you're part of a denomination, this is always has to be in your mind: of at what point do I say I can't be a part of that denomination anymore? Wow, that, that's a great question. And it's typically. You know, over denominational issues. You know, you yes. can you can usually get over style or leaders because they change. You know, 
um, you can usually wait, you can usually uh, sort of wait that stuff out. You but, mean to tell me, Greg, that if I don't like something that a pastor said, I shouldn't just immediately leave my church? Well, you might could leave the church, but you might decide if you want to leave the denomination over it. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's it's the same question. You know, at what point do you say, okay, if that's where the denomination stands, I just can't do it. Now, um, my understanding is that the United Methodist Church has continually voted to not allow homosexual marriage. That's true. The African contingent of the UMC saved the vote last time. Yeah, they consistently have voted that. They've never said, yes, we want to have it, and then all the ones who didn't said, we're leaving. They, that's not what it is. They have voted not to do it, not to allow it as part of their you know, church, uh, what unifies them. But then the, the churches, they don't uh, honor it. They uh, go out and they do it anyway. And so the ones who say, look, there's more of us than there are of you, apparently, and uh, we're going to just go out and, uh, you know, that's a break issue for us. You know, how, how do you decide what issues make it impossible for your church to continue to be affiliated with your denomination or your non-denomination? Wow. I, I, uh, you know, what issues do that? I, I'm thinking off the top of my head, uh, you know, I think anything Trinitarian, mm -hmm. uh, the God of Christianity is a trinity. Jesus, we talked about this uh, yesterday with uh, with Paul who called in. Uh, Jesus, fully divine, mm -hmm. fully human. Uh, what else do you think, Greg? Just some, I'm thinking of some core doctrinal yeah, stuff. Well, you know, just anything soteric. Soteri soteriology, salvation, you know. Yes. Um, we can earn our salvation, yeah. right? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to trick me up, get me in trouble. <laughs> no. Um, obviously, those kind of issues, salvation. But honestly, some of these folks might be more worried about the other issues than they are salvation issues. Um, but, um, you know, marriage is one. I mean, you know, that's just somewhere where people have went, look, if we're going to be a denomination that uh, that – that participates and celebrates uh, a violation of what we believe is biblical marriage, then I just can't do it. And it's the same question for the individual. You know, at what point do you just say, all right, the, the church has left the rails and I can't go off the rails with you? And I think to, to view it another way, what, what you're saying is uh, celebrating sin. Mm -hmm. It's one thing to maybe believe that Jesus Christ alone saves, which is true. God's a trinity, that's true. So you think of the traditional doctrines of Christianity, that's one area. But when you openly celebrate sin, that's that's another area that's deeply concerning. Yeah. Well, here's and here's the fallout of this as we wrap it up. Those churches who decide to celebrate sin and to uh, ignore the, you know, the the basic doctrines of Christianity and salvation, they will die. Yes, they will. They they can't do anything but die. Yeah. They will. The churches who stick with the Bible uh, and, and Christian teaching, they will thrive. Yes. So these that are staying with this whole liberal deal and doing this, just watch for them to fade and be a thing of the past at some point. All right, we got to go to break. We'll come back. We're out of time. We'll be right back uh, with another hour. Jim Burns coming up later talking teens and parents. He's president of Homeward, and he is excellent. You'll want to stay around for that at 6.30. We'll be right back with another hour. 
Greg Davis here, and I want to remind you of Priority Talk's longest-running advertiser, and that's Today's Family Dentistry, your friendly dental practice conveniently located in downtown Coleman. Make your appointment to see Dr. David Kim, Dr. Key Tan, or Dr. Stephanie Young, along with an experienced and certified team of dental technicians, along with a friendly staff, I might add, who serve both children and adults with a wide range of dental services. That includes general and restorative care, along with the cosmetic enhancements to meet all of your family's dental needs. Today's Family Dentistry accepts Medicaid for children under 21, Blue Cross Blue Shield All Kids, and most commercial insurances. Give them a call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. That's Today's Family Dentistry located in downtown Coleman. Call today and make your appointment. 256-739-3337. Today's Family Dentistry in downtown Coleman. Hey everybody, this is Pam Tebow, and I just want to give a shout out to Greg Davis on Priority Talk. Welcome back in. It's hour number two, Priority Talk here on your Wednesday evening. How's everybody? Glad to have you with us. If you're just joining us, thank you very much. We spent some of the first hour talking about uh, denominationalism or, as Nate said, lack thereof, or non-denominationalism, which seems to become its own denomination, quite honestly. So uh, it was interesting, uh, interesting talk for those of you who care about such. It'll be there at the podcast very soon. And uh, we're glad to have you with us. Also on the podcast a little later today, if you have to leave us, will be uh, what's coming up at 6.30. And that's Mr. Jim Burns will join us. It's one of our best of conversations from several years ago, but timeless truths about uh, parents and teenagers. Hope you'll stay tuned for that. Jim Burns is one of the very best. It's one of our best of Priority Talk conversations. We do that uh, on Wednesdays. Uh, during the 6 o'clock hour, uh, many Wednesdays we do that, just to help us out with Wednesday nights. And uh, and it gives you, some of you who are new to the show, a chance to go back or hear or go back and listen on our podcast to some of the conversations we've had in the years past. Nate Williams here in studio with me as well, and uh, we're glad to be here with you on this uh, on this beautiful Wednesday evening. But cool out there, man, cool. And I think um, staying cool as well. So winter has come. We were minding our own business, enjoying nice fall weather, a little, even a little on the warm side, and winter showed up and ruined it. We didn't consent to this. <laughs> I'm glad the, I'm glad to, we get different weather. Uh, it breaks it up. So you like the seasons. You don't well, 72 now, and sunny year-round. Now, look, if I lived in Southern California, that'd be fine. But... <laughs> Okay, if I'm, you know, it's okay. I'm glad in Alabama to get a break from the heat. How's that? Ah, that's I'll true. I'll go there. Uh, Southern California, though, yeah, I, I would take that all year round, no doubt about it. Uh, a couple of interesting local stories were from Alabama. Uh, down in South Alabama, uh, uh, Conecuh County, they have uh, a tie. You know, we talk about how every vote counts especially in your more local races where the vote counts are, are lower. Absolutely. You know, in your, in your county, uh, sometimes even house districts, they are uh, the, the vote total is low, so that means your vote really has, carries more weight. Well, the race for sheriff in uh, Conecuh County has come out to an absolute tie. That's, that's where it's at right now. 
And uh, now that is down in South Alabama, sort of below uh, Butler County and Monroe County. Uh, down in that area, you've got uh, Monroeville, and then you've got, in, in, obviously, in Monroe County. A lot of you are familiar with Monroeville uh, for various reasons. Um, you know, they had the famous author from there, you know, or that's where they wrote the book from, you know. Okay. Uh, and then you've got uh, next to Monroe County and Monroeville is Evergreen, and that's sort of the, the county seat, I believe, of uh, Conecuh County, and then Escambia County just below that in Bruton. So just giving you the idea of where this is. Um you know, very rural area. I'm sure the vote totals were uh, were, were low, you know, uh, in a county like that. Not a high population. So even if they had a good turnout, the the, low, the the vote total would still be low compared to what many many of us may be living in more uh, metropolitan areas are, are accustomed to. Uh, but it's in a tie after the provisional ballots were counted. And this is, you know, now, you know, you're talking over a week out. The uh, probate judge, Steve Fleming, is... Uh, is reporting this and that's why your probate judges are so important in the election process uh, it came down to the provisional ballots uh, that came in after polls closed and uh, and that was it when the polls closed with the difference of one uh, con uh, with the contest of one vote and uh, at the time the incumbent Randy Brock who's a Democrat and Mike Blackman was so close that officials concluded there would have to be a recount so it was it was like one vote, 2,224 to 2,223. And after the uh, the provisional ballots, both candidates had 2,225 votes. So, wow. Um, now, here's the thing. Um, they're going to do another recount. They'll have nine poll workers and some other officials there, uh, even the people who make the ballot machines. There'll be a canvassing board there and if it's still tied after a second recount you might think we'll have the vote again and you maybe think. people more people will show up and vote or less people will show up and vote and you know we can figure out who it is um that that to me would be a logical thing to do now that costs money that does. anytime you put on election not only for the candidates to sort of get the word back out but on the on the county it would cost money as well to pay for another you know, uh, another vote day. You know, open up all the poll places, and you got to have all your volunteers. You, you got to do the whole thing again. But if it's tied after a second recount, uh, there won't be another vote. There will be a game of chance to decide who's the next sheriff of the county. Isn't that something? Wow. Think about it. I mean, they're gonna flip a coin. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, uh, I mean they could at least do like Survivor and make, make fire. You know what I mean, uh, or something like that. <laughs> some I mean, skill, something. Yeah. I mean, it'd be nice to know your sheriff can make fire. Yeah. You know, if you need to. Maybe they could go to the pistol range. Uh, yes. You know, bring the, bring back a 2022 version of the duel. Yeah. Or the, well, yeah, I mean, uh, that's a good idea. But, you know, or anybody to die. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I was wondering if there's like some other very paintball. They could go to the pistol range. And, uh, you know, get their sidearm and see who hits the targets. Yeah. I'm, that would be entertaining. Run a mile. Yes. you 100-yard sprint. Yes. No, we're going to flip a coin. I'm going to go through the wipeout course. Yeah, hey, there you go. <laughs> Big balls. That is a great that, idea. I haven't seen these guys, but that might be, uh, that might be interesting. Um, 
They're going to flip a coin. Man, that is uh, that's something else. Now, this has happened before in Clay County um, in 2018. And uh, they had a, uh, a coin flip, and that decided who won. So it's a... Um, that I, I just I've never heard that before. I guess I missed that one in 2018. I I didn't hear coin. about that one either. I uh, do you have? What do you do? Do they go to the local high school and walk out to the 50 yard line? Is it recorded? I would assume. Yeah, you have to think so. Who flips the coin? I'm sure there's procedures. Yes. Who chooses the coin? You know who? Cho- what kind of coin do you use? Do they have a special? Conecuh County Sheriff's coin for today's contest. Gentlemen, shake hands. Captain, shake hands. Um, what end of the field do you want to defend? You know, I, I don't know. I anyway, you, you would figure in 2022 we'd we'd have something. Like right? I say, go to the, make fire. Make fire. Go to the pistol range. I think either one of those are fairly good options, quite honestly. Maybe a race. I don't know. Yeah, that's what I said. Maybe they could do a mile, a mile run a mile, or, or I haven't seen the guys. I don't know how old they are. Maybe maybe 100 yards. Yes. You know, pace yourself. Maybe yeah. a karaoke uh, sing-off. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, uh, be praying for the folks down there. I'm, I'm sure this is highly stressful for the uh, sheriff and the challenger, Randy Brock and Mike Blackman. Another interesting story locally, uh, this one a little more serious, uh, two women have been arrested at the Birmingham International Airport, the Shuttlesworth International Airport. Um, Apparently police had gotten information that there were going to be a large amount of marijuana coming to the airport. And so uh, I don't, the story, uh, this is from WVTM doesn't go into a lot of detail about what that information was, uh, what kind of tips they had or what they had uncovered, but they brought in the uh, Police Department Special Enforcement Divisions, uh, Vice and Narcotics Unit, the ALEA Drug and Task Force uh, Regional Office came in and did a drug investigation, and two females were taken into custody inside the airport after they found I'm gonna give you this, and then I'll make I'll try to relate it a little better. They were this is how they measure 21,030 grams of marijuana in their luggage. Oh wow! Now I, I've never dealt with marijuana a lot myself, you know, so that doesn't relate very well for me. But I'm looking at the pictures, and it was a lot of marijuana. That is a lot. I mean, you know, th- this wasn't like uh, you know just a blunt or something. This was a lot of a lot of marijuana with a uh, they said to be believed to be a street value. Of three hundred and fifteen thousand four hundred fifty dollars. Hey, Greg, I'm sure it's all okay. It's just going to be used for mar- medical purposes. Oh, yeah, it's medical marijuana. Well, clearly, it's medical. Yeah. Um, they don't know who they were. Uh, they haven't released that yet, and uh, an exact what the exact charges will be. But uh, wow, um, I mean that's pretty bold. That is bold. I mean, bring in a cup. That had to be at least a 
probably two suitcases, I would imagine, of marijuana packages. And I stress and out. And just think you're going to stroll straight, straight through security with it with dogs there and everything, you know? I stress out when I think I may have brought a, you know, mouthwash that's a little yeah, too, yeah. too much. And I'm stressing out is over that. Is it three that. ounces or three and a half ounces? Uh, you know? something I'm, like yeah, that? Yeah, and here they showing up with $315,000 worth of uh, marijuana in their bag. Yeah. That's pretty bold. That is bold. But you know what? For them to have done that probably means that it happens all the time. They just had a tip. That's true. I mean, what if they hadn't didn't have the tip? Can you go through security and put your bag, check it, or go under? I don't know, if, I don't I know which no one idea. they would do. I'm not going to try, but I have no idea. I wonder if they were checking the bags or were going to keep them in their possession. I don't know. What if they were trying to go? I say go through security. They might have just checked them but those still go through a screener i mean you know when you leave it up on the belt yeah when you check in you know if you've got a bigger suitcase me i don't i hardly ever check a bag really now when i go to israel i do because you gotta you know that's a long trip that is a long trip. so i, I do when i go to israel and i don't want to have to keep up with it you know for the whole it's a long you know it's a long day to get there but so when i go to israel i check a bag but other than that if i'm traveling by myself in particular now, if I'm with my wife sometimes, yeah, you know, women bring more than men. You know, I don't even bring a comb. You know what I mean? I mean, I'm yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, if I'm by myself, do you check bags when you fly? I, I, I are, used are you, you... to. I try not to now. Yeah. If I can fit it all in yeah. and it just just try to get it no, all I'm in I'm going to fit it all in. Yeah. Or I'm not taking it. See, I, you're, you're a better man than me. Unless it's a, unless it's like a week or two, you know, trip so, overseas. So, Greg, I'm an overthinker. I, I get that. I, you know, go to my room and I start packing, and I'm like, what if a tsunami and yeah. an earthquake and well, you a probably meteor, have hair products too. <laughs> yeah, so just a okay. just a few. But what if all of that happens at the same time and I'm gone for five yeah. years? Well, I typically overpack myself, but I'm going to get it in. I'm I'm not checking a bag. I mean, I just I don't I like to keep my stuff with me. And when you have things happen to you like I did, how long ago was that? A week and a half ago? Almost two weeks ago when yeah, you get hung out about. in an airport overnight? I don't know where my bag would have been. That's I mean, true. Quite, I mean, you know, when the flight gets canceled, you know, you, you got a lot more flexibility if you've got your bag with you. So I don't know what these ladies were doing, but um, they were trafficking drugs for sure. But, hey, uh, way we're going... Give us a little, give us a little, little more time, and all that'll be legal. It won't even matter. So they'll be uh, trouncing through there with it. I'm proud of it. Hopefully, uh, hopefully not for with a marijuana. While. That's the way it's going. You know, the Birmingham mayor was on uh, Capitol Hill today. You know, um, talking about how we need to decriminalize, you know, marijuana. He's tried to do that already. Expunge everyone's records and act like they didn't break the law. You know, I'm like, if you want to change the law, okay, but you did break the law. Yes, the law was, was law the law that was broken. You know, I've used this before, but it's like if the speed limit's, um, you know, 45, and you get a ticket for going 55, and then down the road they changed, actually changed the speed limit on that road to 55, and they said, oh, that was too slow. Let's change it to 55. I still broke the law when I was going 55 and a 45, okay? Nothing changed. That's true. The speed limit was 45. I went 55. I shouldn't have that cleared off my record. I broke the law. Now, the law changed. Now I can drive 55, but I couldn't then. And that's the same way to me with the marijuana issue. If you broke the law, you broke the law. You knew what it was when you broke it. Okay, let's take a break. Come back on the other side. Don't forget Jim Burns, 
and a priority talk best of conversation talking parents and teens at the bottom of the hour he's the president of homeward it's a best of that means it's good we'll be right back and we're back in glad you're with us today here at priority talk radio jim burns coming up after this uh, next bottom of the hour break he's the president at homeward and just an outstanding uh, resource when it comes to marriage and family and parenting and all of those kind of things he's been on the program with us several times over the years and you're going to hear a best-of conversation with Jim Burns from a few years ago. I didn't look back exactly when that was, uh, but uh, several years ago. But uh, what he talks about is timeless. He was talking about parenting and teens and, and uh, understanding teens as a parent. So we hope you'll stay tuned for that on a uh, special Wednesday best-of conversation here on Priority Talk. And if you have to leave us, uh, many of you probably pulling up at church tonight or something, if you have to uh, you know, leave us. You, it'll be there at the podcast. All right, just find Priority Talk Radio on your favorite podcast platform. You can always head to PriorityTalkRadio.com and uh, find it there as well, pretty easily. All right, we've made all that as simple as we can for you on your phone or your device. PriorityTalkRadio.com, and uh, you'll find us really quick there. All right, Nate's here with us uh, as we sort of finish up for today as far as uh, doing you know doing the Wednesday show because the best of is coming up Nate's got one more story for us I have one more story uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see what, what you have to say about this but uh, the Christian the Christian Post has an article titled pastor rebuked for preaching in skinny jeans that make him look like he's quote trying to be sexy unquote the founder of the multi-campus Embrace Church in South Dakota, Pastor Adam Weber. Probably non-denominational. Uh, pro- sounds like Going it. Going back to last hour. <laughs> it sounds like it. Y'all make sure to check that uh, conversation out on the podcast if you missed it. Says he won't stop preaching in his skinny jeans despite being recently rebuked by a Christian for wearing the, quote, offensive pants that make him look like he's, quote, trying to be trying on purpose to be sexy at his pulpit and so greg i guess as someone who uh you know very uh knows a lot about pastoral ministry what Mm. do you think about uh, preaching Mm. in skinny jeans and fashion behind the pulpit i would like to see a picture of his skinny jeans you know uh, not that i want to oh you got a picture i I think the i think the article what what it means by skinny jeans yeah here it is okay uh let me see um yeah yeah those are yeah, I've seen worse, but uh, those are a little tight. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean there, there's no uh, what do you call it extra there. Yeah, you no know, around his legs. It's it's yeah. Um, I don't know why a man and you know he certainly how if that's him. I mean, what what's his age look like? Uh, I'm trying to find it. He's, he didn't he didn't look old like me, but he's not young oh, like you either. Hush. He's uh, not young like you. Maybe you and Stuart. Maybe can wear skinny jeans. Uh, late 30s? Yeah, that's I'm, what I'm thinking. Yeah, that's what like I was that. thinking. You know, why does a man approaching 40 want to wear skinny jeans? Yeah, why? that's interesting. You know, there's been a few times that I've been looking for a you know new pair of pants, and I take them to go try them on, and I go and put one leg in and go, oh, can't wear these. You know what I mean? That's not going like, to work. You know, I'm just not even going to try. Uh, I don't know why, you know, you know, he's got his shirt out covering... If he if he didn't have his if he had a shorter shirt on, 
That would yeah, yeah uh, emphasize things. Uh huh. There you go. You got a good way of saying things. Uh, <laughs> emphasize things. <laughs> emphasize certain things. But he's got a you know, and he's got a flannel shirt on. I guess cool. Yeah. No. You should, look. Why do you need skinny jeans to preach? Yes. Now, what's appropriate to preach in? I, I don't know that that's a a standard answer. That would make a good topic one day for us when we've got time to take a lot of phone calls. Maybe if there's a rule of thumb, yeah. uh, something that's not distracting. Because uh, you, you, when you're preaching, you want the focus to be on yeah. God. Or leading worship. If you're singing or any of that stuff or, or doing anything up front. Yes. I mean, same thing with, uh, you know, with the, with the singers, the worship leaders, any ladies on stage. A lot of churches do have a pretty good dress code on what you can wear or not wear. I think you know so, I mean? in general. Um, you know, it, it, you can't just, you shouldn't just wear anything up on stage. I, I, I'm, I'm with that. But at the same time, uh, I think the time of everybody's got to have a, uh, you know, a shirt and tie on or a jacket and all that. I think those days have passed. Um, not not that, that you have to. I think you can. And I think in some churches that's completely appropriate. Um, you know, probably the pastor, if you're going to preach, should probably dress as a rule of thumb, if there is one, um, a degree or two nicer than the average person sitting in the pew. How's that? I think that's fair. Is, that, is that a good fair. way to say it? I mean, you know, I don't want to go. It, it It is distracting if someone is just dressed like a slob. That's true. You know? Now, nope. this guy's not dressed slob at all. I mean, his clothes look like they're well put together. Maybe a little too well put together. Yeah. But, um, you know, you can tell he's not just, you know, he, not up there in a, just a wrinkled up hoodie or whatever, you know, like Bill Belichick or something, you know, on That's the sideline with the Patriots. Uh, definitely. I think, uh, yeah, there's a, what would you say to someone that might respond with, well, the pastors, I guess, a Christian too, just like everyone else in the church. No one's better than another person, this, that, the other. So uh, maybe the pastor should just like look like just everyone else. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's fine, I, but I don't have a problem with that. Um, but generally speaking, I don't have a problem, you know, if it's, if it's uh, tasteful, you know, if the average Christian's dressing tasteful, but, um, but I think when you're on stage or if you're up in front, yeah, you know, speaking, leading, that it's a little different. I, I, I think. And look, so. I go to a lot of, I speak in a lot of different churches myself. Yes. And so you see a lot of variety. So when a pastor or someone asks me to come and speak, I always, you know, ask, "Hey, what's the dress like?" Now, years ago, I didn't have to ask that. Suit and tie. It, it was, yeah, it was at least a coat and tie. You know, that you just, that's just what you wore. And I'm still fine with that. I have no problem. But some places, if I do that, I'm the only person there that's dressed that, that way. That's true. And so then you're kind of the oddball out. You know what I mean? And then you're distracting in the other direction. Yeah, exactly. So I just try to uh, – I just, I just always say, hey, what's the average dress? And they'll usually give me something, and I'll usually take it one step further. Yeah. And, you know, and do it that way. Oh, so I'll just a button-up shirt. Well, I'll wear a jacket then. Or, yeah, just wear, just wear a jacket, and then I, so I, and I'll put a tie on. Yeah, I try to be one step above that. All righty, we got to get to the bottom of the hour. Uh, Jim Burns, when we come back, talking teens and parents. 
Have a great evening, everybody. This is a best of conversation. That means it's going to be good. Go back and listen on the Priority Talk radio podcast if you have to leave us now.